evening, Patriots. And it's Tuesday, November 1st. <clears throat> Finally out of that dark month of October. I swear, next year we've got to find a way to completely reshape it from beginning to end. Not something we can work on for the rest of the year. But we're in November, which is great. Only a few days away from the election. So make sure you are voting. Just make sure your first vote goes to the court of heaven. So anyway, before we begin, make sure that you are really doing a good job of taking care of your supplies that you have at home for times of shortage. These people are nuts that are running this world. They're trying to do everything they can to destroy the resources that we have and we depend on and because they see themselves as the owner of the system and the owner of us. So there's going to be shortages in food. And we're going to talk about that even in tonight's show a bit. And the real reason, some of the deeper reasons why. And so don't take it lightly. And that's why we have, we have Patriot Supply, My Patriot Supply. And the way that you take advantage of the great savings with My Patriot Supply is you type in preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. That's going to take you to that feature page that is going to feature the three-month supply kit, the three-month food supply kit that gives you a breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and drinks for one person for three months. Super quality stuff, all done in America. Shelf life is like 20 years. That's total peace of mind. And so if you go to preparewithbards.com, you get 20% off. And free shipping. The stuff ships quickly. Ships in unmarked boxes. So there's no worry to, reason to worry about that woke, crazy delivery person. And you can get that into your inventories, which I think is absolutely critical, that everybody should have food supply storage like this in addition to everything else you have. Because these are 20-year models. If you had to, to relocate, for example, you can easily throw them in a vehicle. And I would have one for every member of the family. That's three months food supply for every member of the family. And it's good for 20 or so years on the shelf. You can't get better than that. And that's true peace of mind. That's, to me, that's as valuable as any sort of investment you can have. Especially in these uncertain times. So again, head on over to preparewithbards.com. Prepare, preparewithbards.com. And you will be very happy you did and took advantage of all that with the 20% off and free shipping. Okay. So <clears throat> I had an interview earlier after the um, bended knee today. I, had, I did an interview with Ed Dowd, who's going to be on tomorrow night. And he was a former managing partner for BlackRock. And he is the one that's been doing the statistical analysis and he, he's a hard stat guy, meaning like he, he understands that there's a lot of information out there, but he wants to see it in the numbers and really see what's going on. So Edward, um, Ed has been doing these researches on what the real impact of the vax is. And you're going to hear all about it tomorrow night, but I want to zero in on one piece that he really hit on today. Right now there's 3.5 million people out of the workforce and the institutions are making stuff up. They're talking about, you know, people are wanting a different lifestyle. They're not working. They're on their own welfare or on some sort of unemployment. That's not what the stats show. The stats show that these people are either dead or disabled from the vax. So this is why I'm bringing this up tonight. When you start to look at this sort of impact, what is happening across the globe, but in particular in the United States, and it's happening on all Western countries and probably across the globe. But what's happening is we're seeing, we're going to see a complete change in the way everything runs because people are dying or being disabled by this vax in huge numbers. And effectively, where we're going to be arriving is at a point where the question's going to be asked 
have you taken the vax, but it's not going to be asked because they want to hire you because you took the vax. They're going to want to not hire you because they, you took the vax. I've talked about this a lot in different ways over the last couple of years. And I've used the terms like bifurcation, which is the world's literally dividing. I've referred to the VAX experience as a selection process. We've talked about it in scripturally in terms of God is bringing a sword to the earth. We've talked about it in terms of repentance, that if you have taken the VAX, you need to repent. We've talked about the VAX in terms of a judgment by God. I don't think any of those things are off base. I think what's important to look at is when we see these statistics that are showing what the VAX is doing. We're starting to understand the deeper impact on a social and economic level. Supply chains are breaking down because the labor isn't there to work them. That means there's not going to be the labor to grow the food. And this is where automation is going to be in certain ways In a normal world, automation would have to fill the gap. But you start to redefine a world with less demand and less labor. And a world that has also been deeply scarred by a trust in institutions, you start to see a very different world evolving. In a very simple sense, everybody has been through an injection that has gone through this, and everybody that took the injection has been, anybody that took the injection has been selected out of the future leadership roles of our nation. That's not going to happen right away. But it's a process that's already happening. And it's really, if you look at this, it's like it's the most amazing thing we've ever seen and witnessed. And this is truly a God-level event. Brad and I talked last week about Exodus 2.0. I've talked about Exodus 2.0 for probably three plus years. And it's a principle that there is an Exodus happening right now. That by virtue of what we can look at these in terms of plagues, that God is separating out the, the people that are believing in him, the believers, versus those that denied him. But unlike others models in history because we are literally in new territory. It is looking like we are going to be coexisting, but changing and flip-flopping roles of authority. Meaning that as I've already inferred, if you've taken the vax, you're going to be selected out, not because you're being discriminated against, but because you're a risk to the stability of a company to the financial markets, to investments, anything where you have a leadership role, you become a risk because they don't know what's going to happen to you. Are you going to get myocarditis? Are you going to die of a stroke? Are you going to die of a clot? Are you going to be disabled and unable to do your work? Because this has a delayed effect. And barring any sort of miraculous healing from this injection, which is The level of healing we're talking about is questionable with what we know now. Not to say it can't happen, but nonetheless, there has to be an admission and there's going to be a lot of suspicion of what the long-term effects will remain. And we won't know. We don't know the long-term effects of this injection. So the the short-term and medium-term reaction is going to be to select out those that took the injection and install those that have not taken the shot. Now, just let that sink in for a minute because we're talking about a complete flip-flop because most people that took the shot were defiant. I'm sorry, scratch what I just said. Most people that did not take the shot were defiant. I would say everybody that did not take the shot was defiant. And that creates an entirely new dynamic within society. And those, most of those have either, were either walking in faith or they have turned to seek faith and a relationship in Christ 
as this has moved along. And then you have those that took the shot, say one one version of it or like one dose of it, or maybe a, maybe a booster, but typically it's in that group of, they took one round and then they started to realize what they did and they're starting to migrate away, but nonetheless, they still have this stuff in them. There is a selection process going on now socially. We're seeing it already where people, guys and girls are choosing not to date somebody if they've been vaxxed and the vaxxed world is becoming somewhat of a Egypt and the unvaxxed world is becoming something like Israelites except instead of leaving and wandering in the desert we're out here coexisting which means we have a new challenge ahead of us. Now, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that those that took the vax are going to be okay, that they can be cured. That, uh, for all I know, they're going to turn into exactly what they've been recategorized as, which is a homo, what is it, a homo borgus, <laughs> whatever it is, homo borgus synthetico transhumano. I'm making this up. But essentially, they've been retagged as not human, Okay. And I think it's important. There it is. Someone just put it up for me. Homo Borg Genesis. Thank you. <laughs> and for those of you in the inner city, that would be homie, homie Borgie Genesis. Something like that. Yo, homie Borgie Genesis, what's happening? So, <laughs> and here's another possible name. I like this one. Homo Satanus Borgus. <laughs> That's epic. Homo Satanus Borgus. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, my, my point being that as we deal with a recategorized form of humanity, there's going to be many that are going to awake to their sin and they're going to be seeking to find a way out, which they've done damage. The only ultimate way out is to accept Christ and repent like crazy. So at least the spiritual side of them can be saved. And that goes along with anybody that's Christian as well. If you have, if you have accepted Christ and you took the vax, you didn't walk in faith. You walked in fear and you walked in compliance and you obeyed the masters. You didn't obey God. So however you want to dice that one up, as I said long ago, that seemed to get people's feathers ruffled. If you were one who accepted Christ you and took the injection, then you turned your back on Christ because you turned your back on the principles of faith and fearlessness and trust in God. So the only way through that, same thing. Get on your knees and start repenting. Now, why I'm bringing all this up is I'm kind of setting, I'm setting the stage for something that's very important to understand, which is humility. And here is where we have to keep in mind what our role is. It's easy to talk about these decisions, and we can make jokes about homie Borg, Borg, Borgi Genesis or homo satanus Genesis Borgus. And that's cool. But at the end of the day, or at least it's funny most of the time, but at the end of the day, in the sense of us walking in kingdom, we also have to be humble. I want to go back to the model that I was laying is that the world is being inverted. And it is being inverted. We're, we're flipping those that had no voice, which quite literally are the meek, meaning when we say the meek, the meek is twofold here. We always took the meek as the weak. It's not the weak. It's the quiet, humble warriors of the world, which were those that stood against this pressure and ostracizing and humiliations and accusations and threats. We walked a very steady path with Christ and we've arrived at a point where ultimately, whether you wanted it or not, who you are is going to be required to fill in the slots that the others have either are unable to fill because they've died or they've become 
incapacitated or limited in their capability because of disability from the injection or a simple choice that a company is going to have to make for its own sustainability. But it's even greater than that because a lot of the structures that we are accustomed to aren't even going to exist anymore. When you start looking at the saturation of the injection, like most of Wall Street has been injected, most of almost the entire hospital system has been injected. A large percentage of our aviation, commercial aviation has been injected. And the, the effects of that over time is going to be to literally gut that industry of the professional talents that it has. From a standpoint of health, I don't think anybody will shed a tear over the idea that the hospitals will just go away. They'll be go the way of, of an extinct species, and that's okay. When we get into the areas of like aviation, that's going to have to bring up a new way of looking at travel. And we can't be looking towards having artificial intelligence running our world for us. It's going to be us reshaping the way things are done. And there's the key piece. It's us. And so this comes back to humility. If we take on these roles as we will be led to do, and I'm, I'm not giving you a prophecy, I'm giving you outcomes of trends and data, which are true, and I, I would say there's probably prophecy to match what I'm saying. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to follow those lines, you're going to, you come to the same conclusion which is the world is now going to be led ultimately by those that defied government, defied the pressures of media, defied the, the pharmaceutical threats. Those are the people you want leading the world because those become the mighty men of God. But here's a catch on that little piece there. Not that there's a catch in being mighty men of God, it's the catch of the responsibility of humility. If we assume those roles and we now do this sort of thing like, nah, 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 you took the vax and I didn't and now I've got power, we just became what they were. And so our greatest challenge, and this is where I really get into the demonic and I get into the understanding of deliverance work and I get into the whole principles of spiritual warfare as a critical part of our toolkit is we have to be able to separate the person from the demonic influences that have driven them to the places they have. Fear is a sin and fear is a sin driven by the eyes not trusting or knowing God and being exposed to the influences of the spiritual warfare against them that they were unable to defend against or, or even understand. Hatred is not native to anything God creates. And I would argue even God does not create anybody with fear or, or hatred or anger or anxiety. All of that becomes of this world in a fallen world in which we live. And instead of understanding that God created us, as it says, in his image, which means that we were essentially a reflection of his perfection and then become corrupted in this world, we have to separate the spiritual influencers that are doing that from the beauty of the creation that God made. And that's where humility comes in. And we get to this place where we, I hear this all the time. Oh, my, all my neighbors are blue. All my neighbors are, are liberals. I can't stand them. Well, I don't know what led them there. I can pretty much tell you what's holding them there. Because consistent with being a liberal is to deny God. Consistent with being a liberal is not to embrace Jesus. And in fact, a liberal, since a liberal typically, and I'm using generalities, I'm sure somebody will come up with an exception, but whatever. Typical, typical to a liberal perspective is you believe in the choice of abortion. If you believe in the choice of abortion, of killing kids, you can't be in love with Jesus. In, in the sense of what we're talking about. Sure, they can say, well, I do love Jesus. Well, you no, you can't. Because Jesus doesn't love abortion, 
and you're bringing an, a corrupted heart to Jesus and you're not willing to accept the responsibility and the sin of that and repent for it. So as, as a person said once, can a liberal be a Christian? And my argument is it doesn't matter whether you're a liberal or a conservative or a Democrat or a Republican, if you aren't going to support the policies of things like choice to kill a child or not, I don't care what side of the fence you are on, even if it's you're a green or a green weenie or whatever, I don't care. It has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with understanding where kingdom sits and where your relationship is in belief, in belief. And that means you have to have those principles of love in your heart and understand that God's creation is always protected. Otherwise, you're wearing a millstone. So some people will say, yeah, but it's only those liberals that like that are against or are, are pro, pro-life. I'm sorry, pro-abortion. It's like, all right, so I'll give you another example because I guarantee this is happening. There's a whole ton of conservatives out here that have beat the hell out of their kids because they're drunk on oxycodone, whatever, and they're going to vote conservative. Like I said, it matters not what your political orientation is. It is the way we approach our relationship in Jesus, our humility and our ability to repent and walk in a place where we are accountable for our actions. So as this roles in this world begin to shift, we can't lose sight of that. It is so, and I, I can, I'm telling you already where Satan's going to set up his next ambush. And it's going to be a doozy. And it's already percolating. And it was, and I played a piece today that kind of alluded to it because it all had to do with the Atlantic front page, which said, we need a pandemic amnesty. We all need to forgive and move on from what was said and done to each other in a time we didn't understand. They've used a Christian value and they flipped it on its head to use a new age principle, which is absolutely incorrect. So let me rephrase the way that whole headline needs to be looked at. And then let's move, we'll move deeper into humility. I will forgive because forgiveness is what Father God asks of me because where I don't forgive, I shall be judged. That's scriptural and biblical. But I will, there is still and must always be justice and accountability for the actions and sins that we make. So just because I seek forgiveness for my sin does not mean that there isn't in at some point a judgment placed by God because that's his role on the sin that I conducted. Now, the forgiveness, yes, of this world I am forgiven, I'm allowed into heaven, but it doesn't mean there's not a, a strike against me on it. And it doesn't mean you're going to get lashed 50 times, but it is the point that there is still accountability before God in all things we do. But it goes further because this, Jesus has heaven and earth. And it's, it's the mighty men of God that were given earth to rule under Jesus. And that also means that we have to bring justice to this world. And if we're handing the sort of justice over to a civil court, it is intended truly to be blind. Meaning it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you are black, Hispanic, white, Asian. It doesn't matter. The justice, the hand of justice is equal. So I can easily forgive somebody because I don't want their stank, I'm going to use that word, hanging on me. I don't want them weighing me down in life. It doesn't mean I'm inviting that dude or woman over to dinner either. I'm just turning that burden over to God and saying, okay, but I'm also not doing this. Ha 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 ha. You got tagged. 
Now you're going to have to have justice, and I'm good because I didn't, I didn't fall for the trap. There's the saints in ambush right there. Because that's going to be the tendency. There's going to be a pridefulness that's going to creep in for us, and it's going to happen. And I'm telling you, it's so easy. You'll be like, huh, they got it finally. They got what's coming. That's not our role. We are going to have to start being greater than that in this walk. We are not of this world, and we have to act like we're not of this world because if we are now given the leadership of this world, we have to lead people to the glory of the kingdom and lead people to the love and power of walking within the body of Christ. And that is so much greater than anything that this dirt world deals with. So I throw this out there because this is literally one of these landmines. And it is such a dangerous landmine that it will suck us down and it will turn us into what they were. This is why we pray for our enemies. Because ultimately, as we pray for our enemies, we're praying to we're praying in many levels for our enemies. God will deliver judgment. And we have to be careful even how we pray. I mean, in the sense of praying, like, I want them smoked. I want them, I want them having a permanent dirt nap. I mean, that's that is a level of judgment that we have to be careful to deliver because that same level of judgment can be given to us. The most powerful thing we can do is to bring the force and power and re- hear what I'm saying here because you have to, de- what did I say in them before this? Separate the spiritual enemy from the physical creation or the creation of God. Everybody that comes here is under a constant 100% time demon attack. Now, those that aren't influenced typically are those that are most powerful and walking within the Holy Spirit. We've accepted Christ. We've repented and we stay in that space. And the more that we dig deeper into it, the more that we walk into the kingdom space and it becomes nearly impossible for the demonic to successfully penetrate our shield, our armor. But it does happen. You get mad one day, you start pissed off at things, throwing things around, something happens, or you start cussing or swearing. Those are like adding cracks to your armor. And it's an opportunity for the demonic to take a hold. Doesn't mean it'll have a big effect on you. But if we are not immediately creating a, a solution to that, which is repentance to heal that moment and take accountability for that deviation, we're creating ripples in the pond that can be utilized against us later on. So our role here is truly as mighty men and women of God. And to do that, this idea of people like you did, you got in trouble, I didn't, that's trite. That's just child play. Our role has to be in that place where we're praying for our enemies. We're praying for them to come to Christ. And in the example of what we walk, we truly feel the empathy for them. I mean, just take this as an example. Okay, for whatever reason, we can take even arrogance and and just this righteous, this fake righteousness that many on that side of the fence over there tend to have. But that doesn't mean they're evil people. So take this as an example. A father takes the position that I did my research and my whole family is going to get the vax. And then as the truth settles out and as time ticks along, he comes to realize what he did to his family. He comes to realize he's never going to have grandchildren, that his children may even grow to hate him because of what he pushed them to do. And in this creation, it is just exactly what Lucifer wants because it's tearing apart the family and it's putting people at odds for one another. That's the place where we have to bring people to Jesus. It's healing through the love of Christ. 
Because division is exactly what Satan does best. All of this is tough because there is a real active enemy out here. Let me be clear. It is a demonic enemy. And do not think in any way in my heart that I'm giving it any quarter because that demonic enemy, as we deal with spiritual warfare, as we deal with deliverance, as we deal with separating the people, God's creation from it, that enemy needs to be ruthlessly vanquished. And I, I will, as I do, I will give it to Jesus to cast it anywhere. And if it continues to stand, you continue to pray into it until it is destroyed to such a degree that it can never rise again as it was. That's where the real warfare is. That's slaying them with the sword of the Spirit. And there are moments in time, which you can only know case by case, that there is probably demonic that manifests in the physical. And that's a whole nother level of crazy. But that's that part is less than the people that are literally influenced so deeply by this, and we have to work in our compassion to separate those two enemies, those two fights. One is the struggle to get somebody to Christ. The other is the struggle to free them from the influences, this demonic force that's drugged them there. And in the same interview today I had with Head Doubt, it'll be tomorrow night, he was talking about how he had one of his neighbors in Maui as an atheist, or was. And the guy came to him the other day, and he's like, dude, he goes, I'm looking at your data. If there is this much evil in the world, there has to be good. Therefore, God must exist. Yeah? And we're seeing a lot of that. So the whole point of this tonight is to really emphasize on the walk of humility because it's very easy to trip up, especially as roles begin to reverse and they will. And I, and you will hear this tomorrow night in so much of the detail of why, because the injection is wiping out key sectors and it's going to affect everything in the way we have political leadership in the way we develop, I mean, the product side of the, of the market, supply chains, everything is being affected by labor that's being literally being slain by this vax. And that's going to affect corporate decision-making. And it's going to affect the way businesses even look and operate. And as this awareness grows, and it's not if it's going to grow, it is growing. There's going to be an increasing awareness that those that that chose to take the walk of the injection and take it in their body are a high risk to fill key roles in society. And they will, to a large degree, by nature of that, be excluded. And of course, there'll be all sorts of efforts to try to hide that, to say, like, you don't have to disclose it. They're going to do all this stuff because that's what governments do. And that's even in itself going to create a whole difference in how people are approached, how people are hired, the types of questions. Human resources, human resources that is exceptional at being able to get information out of people, even though they say that they're not supposed to. They're great at it. And you're going to see a lot of that because ultimately companies, whether it's a small company or a large company, if you're hiring somebody, what you don't want to be hiring is somebody who has the injection if you're worried about the stability of your future. So you're going to see this as I've used the term before, a bifurcation. Two societies, Egypt and Israel, and yet today it's not, and we're not wandering in a desert. We're literally now being given the opportunity over time to assume the higher leadership positions in a nation, which would be a gift in itself to lead the nation back to the foot of the throne. And there it is. Because if we're going to get back to the foot of the throne, we're going to have to do it with a humble heart. And that means we're going to have to become exceptionally skilled at discernment and understanding where that line of fight is between evil, true evil, the demonic evil, and the person that we're looking at that's a creation of God. Look, as difficult as the last few years have been, as hard as we have fought, 
to keep people from taking the vax as much as I have spoken out. And I'll speak for myself here. As much as I have spoken out and absolutely lashed out, fought with my sword in the, in the informational space to smote any attack on those that were unvaxxed or unmasked and both. It's never been in my heart to want to see people take the fool's walk off the plank. And it, it's really a deeply sadding, saddening event to watch people so willfully accepting of Satan's candy, his lure. I mean, this is a Pied Piper event, and Satan was the Pied Piper. And they listened, and in the end, there's going to be I don't think there'll be anybody that will, won't be touched by this. I told you the story of Thomaston in Thomaston, a Valley Grove church where I was for two years. And the one thing that I can say that I believe truly gives that church a difference than most churches, one of the big things besides the fact it's in a farming community, it's a small country church, I got all that. But it's an interesting church because as a Southern Baptist church, you have people, they have some, they have a Pentecostal or two in there, and people I think they were former Methodists, some people that just have come in that had really were agnostic. But everybody comes together under a house of God that by name is a Southern Baptist church. And they do an exceptional job of meeting you where you are, not where they are judging you that you should be. And in my opinion, the reason that happens is because every single person in that church, bar none, have had a friend or a family member die or at the very least deal with the consequences of addiction to meth. That's how pervasive that drug problem is in Thomaston. And let me tell you, that changes people. It changes them deeply, and it changes everybody deeply. And we're entering into a time when, as a society, that's going to become the norm to be touched, affected by, experienced in the consequences of trusting in government and trusting in corporations that left a wake of death across this nation and disability. There's really not a pulpit to stand on where you're going to go, na 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 you got what you deserve, because that, again, that's the Satan ambush. We have a great opportunity ahead of us, a, a magnificent opportunity ahead of us to truly live what we say we are to be ferocious in front of pure evil and slay it and understand the powers and the, the, the authorities given to us from a kingdom level and use them appropriately to literally smote evil, destroy it, slay it ruthlessly at the same time, Embrace the authorities of heaven that tell us and guide us in being healers and amazing extenders of the love of Jesus and compassionate to where we love our neighbor and truly, truly love them as the way Jesus would. We have been given authorities as we share the, the word of Jesus to heal the sick and to expel the demons. That's part of our authorities. And we need to live into those in bold ways. And as we do, we transform this world in incredible ways. And it, again, it looks very much like God's hand that's been involved here because or at least God's hand that's taken advantage of the enemy's move. But that responsibility, where much is given, much is asked, is going to be on us. 
to rise up to be great men and women of God, not reruns of the old story that brought us to the brink of destruction with maniacal freaks running the world and self-obsessed fools that thought they were greater than God. Humility. It's the key to our future success. It's the key to saving this world. Let us pray. Father, all things in a season. And so we come to you by our choice tonight to humble ourselves before you, reflecting deeply on the journey that we've taken to get to this point. There's a season for peace. There's a season for war. And we've experienced a bit of both. We've been through a season of division. And now we're having to face one of our bigger steps, which is the season of humility and forgiveness. It's easy words to say, Father, and we know it's much more difficult to walk. So tonight, the prayer is just to be able to walk those words in life, not to speak them. We understand the enemy that's there, that demonic spiritual enemy that we have full authority to take dominion over, to step on snakes and scorpions, and we can do so with the full force of kingdom behind us. But we equally have to remember the authorities given to heal and to expel and expel these demons and to free others as we have freed ourselves. Let us not forget any of that, Father. So we pray for that clarity, those eyes to see, that wisdom in our heart and that humility in our step. It will truly keep us in that place as a walk in this world as in kingdom authority, not the traps of authorities of men or stumbling on the ambushes of Satan. Guide us, Father. Bless us with the wisdom of our heart. Help us see more clearly what's before us and to discern more deeply. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. There's a, a lot to reflect on, and it's one of these, I think it's a complicated walk at times. I don't think it's easy, and I don't think it's ever intended to be. But I think that as we stay constantly in prayer, because we're supposed to pray about all things, I think it becomes increasingly clear. One of the principal issues in all of this is understanding that, and I'm saying it again just to kind of close with these reminders, Forgiveness is mercy, it's not justice. Justice will and must come, as must accountability. Those two go hand in hand. Forgiveness is asked of us by God, for he asks us to forgive so that we can be forgiven ourselves for our own sins. That's a critical component to this whole equation. And so we have to walk with that. And we need to keep ourselves constantly in that dialogue with Father God. That's that intimacy that I talk about so much. And as we do that and we keep ourselves in that intimacy, in that dialogue and prayer, the wisdom is given. Conversations are had. And we learn and we grow as Father God wants us to. Remember, he loves us. He loves all his children. And part of our responsibility is to raise others up as he raised us up. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night.
Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. Just one.